Yeah, right, so guys, welcome back to the Humanity Jitsu podcast. Today is episode, f- I nearly said 53, but no, it is 35. It's episode 35. It's not 53 as much as I wish it was. It's 35, sadly. <laughs> and today I'm joined by Danny Hall. What is up, Danny? How's it going, mate? Good yourself? Oh, man, I was so good, but I'm sickened that we didn't record the 30-minute pre-ramble because yeah, that was some good-ass that, shit. <laughs> that, that was pretty epic. We could, for anyone just listening now, we were supposed to be talking about jiu-jitsu, but for about 30 minutes, we were talking about Metal Gear Solid and Devil May Cry and all the best <laughs> games that you need to play. So that was quite an interesting conversation on itself. <laughs> okay. Uh, guys, I should start recording the pre-rambles so I can put that Absolutely. on Patreon. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that'd be interesting. That'd be interesting to hear some of them. Okay. Yeah. Speaking of which, guys, if you want to get the episodes 24 hours early, you can subscribe to our Patreon. That's a shameless plug, and I'm not. Sh- and I, I'm not sorry. Sorry. Gotta pay them bills, man. Ah, <laughs> uh, you know, I get, I get like, I get like two euro a month on Patreon now. So two euro a month. That's a double cheese uh, burger, man. Ah, dude. Once a month, <laughs> double a, a box of chicken nuggets. Once a month, I'm happy. Oh, yeah, the jiu-jitsu lifestyle and full. Oh, man. Poha. Oh, every day poha. Every day poha, I'm afraid. So, Daddy, do you want to tell everyone where you're from and where you train in case they want to get around with you sometime? Yeah, yeah. So, um, up in Dublin, I train in SBG Charlestown under Coach Owen Ruddy, who people know as uh, Conor McGregor's striking coach. But what they might not be aware of is he's a sick sick crappler as well man he's uh he's messed me up more times than i can remember he's uh i've been i've been training with him now for april 2011 i think i started training with him april 2011 and i was obviously doing mma uh at the start but um yeah so i'm under on now for near for 2011 to 20 uh, nine years hold uh, that just went in the blink of an eye man time flies Ooh. when you're having fun uh, case in point, the 30 minute pre ramble. The, the 30 minutes that just flew through like that, man. They can't, you can't tell them, but uh, it's, yeah. But yeah, no, it's, it's, it's crazy even saying that nine years, man. I think this is the longest I've ever stuck a sport out. I've tried stuff like football and I've tried other stuff like that, and it just wasn't for me. And you fade off after a couple of weeks or months at the most. But I remember the first day I'd done jiu jitsu, man, that thing just got a hold of me, and I was like, it's never letting go, hasn't let go since. And uh, it's been the it's been the 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 best thing ever. Like I remember, mm. yeah, I remember at the very, the very 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 to go back to the very very start of my, my martial arts journey. I was like sixteen or something in fifteen in school, and I had no interest in martial arts. And uh, one of the summers off school, me and a mate of mine, uh, Robin, were going in uh, into the town. We were watching uh, we went to Cineworld, which is one of the big cinemas in in in, in Dublin city centre, and. Um, we just used to, we didn't even plan what we were going to go see. We just, let's see what's on when we get in there and we go. And one of the days, I was bored, it, we, there was nothing on. And he's into martial arts a bit, into the films. There was a film on Forbidden Kingdom with Jet Li and Jackie Chan. And uh, I, I went to see it. I was like, right, I'll go see it. I didn't want to see it, but I went to see it. And I was like looking at them boys, mill 20 opponents. And I was like, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to do. So I started off with a... Uh, uh, there was a Kung Fu Academy down Wing Chun, believe it or not. I'm embarrassed to say. Back in the oh day. god, yeah, I, I knew no different at this stage, man. I didn't even know what MMA was. This is this is 2009, maybe 2008. So I didn't know what MMA was. But after a little bit of a uh, YouTube commentary uh, saying that MMA and Jiu Jitsu would smash it, I was like, I better look into this, see what this is. And uh, I went down. 
one of my mates, uh, I didn't want to do jiu-jitsu because I didn't like the idea of rolling around on the floor with a sweaty man. So uh, <laughs> I wanted to go do toy boxing. I thought toy boxing, because I was thinking boxing, I was like, nah, toy boxers would just kick your legs. So I went to toy boxing in my mate's gym. It was Lionheart at the time, Collie Matt. He now runs uh, Dublin Combat Academy, where he's fighters like Craig Coakley and, 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 and other high-level guys. Aaron Brown, I think, might be one of his guys. But uh, toy boxing wasn't for me. As anyone who trained with will tell you, I'm, I am not a toy boxer. Uh, um, and then I was like, look, I like, I have to do some sort of sport. I like martial arts. I'll give MMA a go. Uh, and we went up. One of my mates told me about gym in Charlestown in Dublin. Prime, it was called Primal MMA at the time. We've rebranded now as, as SBG Charlestown. And uh, I rang the number. It was it was Owen Roddy. He he told me to come up. I think this was Friday. He told me to come up tomorrow, which would be Saturday. And uh, we forced class. The guillotine choke was the lesson. And I remember rolling with one of the guys there who's uh, on the professional scene now, Ryan Cordes. I remember saying that this guy, he was tiny back then. Tight, like he was, he was really young and small. He was probably a bit, uh, like he. I think he used to like not cut weight to make fly weight at some stage. I remember saying, oh, "I'm gonna just kill this fella," and he strangled the life out of me. He he bet me up and down the mat, man. The size difference between me and him, and he was strangling the life out of me with rear naked chokes and guillotines. And I walked out of there buzzing, saying, "This is I found it. This is what I'm gonna do." So uh, that's my origins in in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and mixed martial arts. <laughs> Fucking hell, man! That's yeah, quite, uh, it's quite that's, a tell. It's a, some, it's a good thing story, if you. Man. It's a good thing you uh you learned your lesson about Wing Chun, Tai Chi, uh, JKD. I swear to God, man! But like it, it, because I was like that at the start, I kind of understand. If if you don't know about fighting, um, you'll you'll you're easy to peddle to if you get what I mean. You're easy to sell crap to if you're ignorant of of reality. And uh, it was I remember scrolling down. You, do you remember Bebo? Yeah, yeah, Bebo. Yeah, I was on Bebo years ago, and there was like one of the group pages was like a fight page or something like that. Was the and I scrolled down, and it was my very first ever time seeing jiu-jitsu. The flashbox had Frank Mir versus Brock Lesnar, the very first fight, the very first time I ever seen jiu-jitsu. And I was looking at it, and I was like, is this is this real? And I seen like the thumps being landed from Brock Lesnar. I was like, oh my God, this is real. Let me have a look at this. And then... All of a sudden, I just seen Frank swing a leg around and hug Brock Lesnar's leg, and Brock tapped out. I'm like, "What? What happened there?" I had no clue what I said, man. I, like it was obviously it was a knee bar that I know now, but I had no clue what um what Brock Lesnar I was tapping out to then. I, and then I was like, "Okay, I have to, I have to give this a go." And it just so happened that BJJ was the first of the MMA classes that I tried out, and I was hooked, like brought in straight away, left all of that. Dead kung fu, crab maga, self defense, street survival crap behind. I went into, I went into uh, mixed martial arts full on. Mm. Ah, see, see, uh, I saw something really fucking funny on like, uh, there's this page I'm on on uh, Facebook. It's called uh, the Blue Belt Mafia. You might know the Purple Belt Mafia or whatever. You know that that sort of spiel. Yeah, I can't say I'm overly familiar with it, but it sounds like a satire page, is it? I'm right to guess. Yeah, it's really funny. Like, it, we just it's just posting about jiu-jitsu. There's very funny posts inside it. There was one oh, that yeah. said, guys, what would you say? Well, how would you respond to someone saying, man, I'm not into that jiu-jitsu shit. There are no, uh, <laughs> what's it? Or was it? No, it was something like, jiu-jitsu wouldn't work on me. I, I, I'm a street fighter. I win on the street. There's no <laughs> rules on the streets. Oh, yeah, and, yeah. Like, jiu-jitsu wouldn't work on me because there's rules in jiu-jitsu. And I just commented, like, rub them on the head and tell them that's cute, like a dog. 
Oh, that's cute. <laughs> yeah. And, oh my god, I got so many funny responses. You know, someone were like, oh, pet him on his belly or boot his nose like a like a dog or something. Because you know, like yeah. here's the thing: all you people who are, especially this is aimed at uh, like uh, the the fucking Tai Chi guys, Jet Kundo, Nikido, or whatever the fuck. If your fucking art is so good, how come there aren't any like really high level guys in the UFC that are using that bullshit? Well, what what they will tell you is, from my experience of dealing with them, is they don't. The first thing they always come out with is, we don't train for sport. We we train for the street where there are no rules. Okay, and if you actually look at uh, mixed martial arts, the rule set does. In terms of illegal strikes, right? You can't kick them in the groin. You can't eye gouge them. You can't fish hook them or dig your fingers into like any open orifices or, or, or wounds. And as far as I'm aware, barring the likes of like say the, the, the ridiculous 12 to 6 elbow or something like that, the, uh, the, the rule set allows pretty much everything else. So if you're telling me your entire martial art training and all the, like kind of relies on kicking someone in the balls to, to take them out, which isn't as easy sometimes as people think it actually is on someone that's moving against them. They, they 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 need to wake up uh, and stop drinking the Kool Aid that that they're uh, they're being sold by their by their coaches. And then the second argument I hear a lot is, uh, let's say you do get the rare example of a Wing Chun guy or a Jeet Kune Do guy or a Krav Maga guy going into an MMA fight and they get absolutely destroyed. Right, no matter how many times you see them going in, they do occasionally go in, but nearly every example is the same where they get destroyed. And I think it, it might have been. I might be robbing this quote off Matt Taunton when he was talking about this, Matt Taunton being the head of, of SBG, but I think I might be robbing this quote off him. Uh, it was like, if you have if you have two guys, two methods of building a bridge, A and B, and they look great on paper, but the moment you, uh, you drive a car over A, the bridge collapses, and then you build it again with a different builder, and it collapses, how long are you going to let that bridge collapse before you say the method is wrong? So I think that was like, I think that was like one of the best points I've heard for kind of ending that argument. But uh, for me, the best thing I ever done was was leave all that kind of nonsense behind because you get a false sense of confidence doing it. You try to stick up where you shouldn't be sticking up, and you will get absolutely seriously injured. So yeah, would, if you try to, if you try that stupid shit in like a street fight, for example, you'll either you'll get the shit kicked out or you might get killed if you try in like an MMA fight because you want to like prove that it works you'll get fucking humiliated so like man yeah I'd rather them try it in an MMA fight believe it or not purely based on the fact that a ref will stop it that's the, yeah. uh, the ref will save you mate the ref is there to literally save you when you're going to just take excessive damage no, nothing else like that's that's the ref's job so like I do be looking at these guys that are like oh you know uh, we train for the street not sport I'm like mate if I have you in a Kimura or I have you in a guillotine choke or I have you in a heel hook it does not matter whether there's mats underneath us a cage underneath us the street underneath us we're on the Great Wall of China it doesn't matter where we are I'm going to break your arm or you're going to get strangled unconscious it doesn't matter they, 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 that that ability to do that move and its effectiveness does not stop the moment I walk outside the gym. So I would rather know what I know and know that it works and it's been pressure tested than yeah. gyms like yours that don't that don't even do spar and let alone compete. Ooh. Like here's an example. Like I don't like if I have you in an armbar and you bite my leg. Guess what? I'm gonna rip the armbar and break your arm super fucking quickly. <laughs> like, that... what, what do they what what do they expect to happen? You're gonna let go of the armbar and grab your leg in agony so they can yeah. escape. That's fucking oh. stupid. Oh, I think I think it was Baz Rutten. Uh, now I don't I hope I'll probably end up misquoting, them, but I'll give you the general gist that Baz Rutten used to do like an ask me anything on whatever MMA 
show he was on and they asked him something like that about biting and he goes dude if someone has positional dominance dominance on you don't make them more angry <laughs> that was that was like his response to them that if somebody has you in a bad position don't make them more angry because you're only going to get more hurt so I, I think that people that are convinced of some of the, the methods that I've seen to get out of it on these self-defense pages they are really delusional mm. Like and here's one more thing before like we'll try and get away from this, but here's one thing. Yeah. All these all these guys are all like, man, we train to kill. Like motherfucker, if you if you can train if you can kill somebody with something, you can not kill them with it. Like you can kill someone with a with a rear naked choke, but you can train it to not kill them. Like this yeah. would be real. Yeah. If if you have that much control and ability over your, your martial arts that you know how to kill someone instantly with your pressure points and stuff, then it should be fairly easy for you, someone so skilled, to not maim someone or kill them i don't know they're, they're delusional so well that's uh, just my, that's my opinion on them anyway uh it's just just a cop out screw up anyway yeah let's uh i think when we move back on to the jiu-jitsu aspect it's not yeah, yeah let, let's this isn't just a mcdojo life podcast now <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that's that a great great page by the way yeah. anyone's interested yeah. mcdojo life uh, so, like, uh, what's uh, what was your first experience in a jiu-jitsu competition while we were on the topic, and what did you learn from it? I learned how tough they are. <laughs> I uh, I jumped in my first competition um two months I think it was after I walked through the doors of Roddy's gym, and I think I remember it was the first time I'd ever had any experience with trying to drop weight for the competition because it was in a, a gym called Spartan. I think they're still operating at the minute. I'm 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 not sure if they still are or not. It was out in Tallet in Dublin, and uh, they used to do their weight classes. This was like early 2011, and they used to do their weight classes in five kilos. So like 80, 85, 90, 95 and so on like that. And I was like 84 or something. And I was like, ah, I'll try to get down to 80. And I got all the way down to 80, which isn't hard because I was fat at the time. Uh, I got down to 80. So that was easy enough. And when I turned up on the day, they were like, dude, no one else is here in, in the beginner's division for 80. But we've got a couple of guys in 85. And I was like, yeah, whatever. I'll, I'll jump in. And I literally got massacred. I think I had like four, because it was round robin style, you face everyone. <laughs> I went from never doing any kind of contact martial arts two months into a jiu-jitsu tournament and I got murdered by everyone that was there. I think the only match I didn't get sub submitted was uh, the very last one. I got absolutely positionally dominated, but I didn't get tapped. And I walked out there after two months trying to say, geez, I actually managed to survive one of them matches. I'm proud of that. So that was my very first experience with, uh, with a jiu-jitsu tournament. Mm, man that's a good way to look at it look at the upsides and stuff yeah it didn't really do much to be honest i was still pretty down i had to get mauled but such is the game we play <sighs> oh, sorry. i see no i get you see while we're on the topic do you prefer competing under a specific rule set like oh i'm uh, yeah, yeah i if i if someone was to say to me that you can compete under a, a specific rule set for the for the remainder of your your jiu-jitsu career what would it be it'd be uh the style that polaris employ so i i much prefer the tour not the tournament format i much prefer the one-on-one -on -one. i think that might have something to do with the fact that i come from mma and i'm just used to one opponent on a, on a, a night that you have to focus on uh, and I, I much prefer the sub only versus uh, IBJJF points uh, point style I think when it's uh, sub only the 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 initiative or not the, the incentive is to go for the submission because otherwise you're getting a draw now I know they score it in three it's a 15 minute round and they score it in like three segments of five without pausing the action which I really like I like that someone doesn't have a position and five minutes is up they stop them 
they keep them going. They just judge them on that five minute period and then move on. But I'm a I'm a big fan of my favorite being like the Polaris rules to it, and then uh, ADCC and EBI would be my 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 follow ups. I have, have a special place in my heart for EBI because of the it was the place that kind of gave rise to uh, the Danaher Death Squad. So they, that's that's why I'm, I'm a big uh, big fan of the likes of Eddie Cummins, Gary Tone, and Gordon Ryan, and and uh, Craig Jones like that that all all uh, all came through there, and built their name in 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 that tournament. So I'm a big oh, man, fan. fuck Craig Jones. <laughs> oh man, he's made some money. I'd say off of that meme and off the rash caps. <laughs> oh, that's how you run with something. That's how you turn a negative into a positive. <laughs> yeah, guys, can we get something trending? Screw Danny Hall. Man, you want to pay me, man? You 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 want to get that in a t-shirt and give me a cut of profits? Let's I'll wear that t-shirt myself. Screw Danny Hall. Hashtag screw Danny Hall. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's get it going, man. <laughs> uh, uh, do you have a favorite uh, submission in your repertoire? Yeah. So my my favorite submission uh, uh, in terms of well, overall favorite submission is a guillotine. I think that's the me my uh, for me. I love. Nogi scrambles, uh, like let's say there's two, two like I'm rolling with someone who's at a very high level or a similar level to me, and the two of us are scrambling back and forth, and I kind of bait them. So let's say I'm in a position, like say neon belly, but not a neon belly that's secured, as in he's pinned, just where I'm physically in the position, and he has enough momentum to turn up into me or to try come up on top, and if they come up and you snatch that neck and get into like a Marcella team where the, the high elbow or the Danaher one where it's high wrist, high elbow, I think uh, to me that's the that's like ah checkmate, gotcha, Wait, and it's it's a it's a beautiful one, and then in terms of joint lock, I would like to say the heel hook, but uh, I'm only. Compared to the guys I'm probably, I'm getting heel hooked by, by Max Lally, who's a 16-year-old bleeding blue belt on the regular, because he's done so much in the, in, uh, the blue basement over there, that I'm not going to say heel hooks because fuck him. <laughs> no, um, I'm going to say Kimura for the joint lock. I think the Kimura is the, is the, is the best one, because uh, I like the versatility of it. You can turn it into sweeps, you can turn it into back takes, and uh, I love the feeling of bringing the, 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 the Kimura bringing it on if if, if if people ask me about jiu-jitsu like here's an example of the Kamara people ask me about let's say if I had somebody who was like mad into jiu-jitsu but never done it or was like curious as to why we should train jiu-jitsu the clip I will always show them is Frank Muir versus Nogara 2 and I'll show them from when he's I was like picture this is you in whatever let's say worst case scenario where you're getting bet uh, on the street because that's what was happening to Frank Muir he was getting lit up on the feet a little bit by Nogara against the fence he got trapped Nogara trapped I think he tried to take Nogara down Nogara dived on a guillotine but they scrambled a bit and then Frank Muir got him in a Kimura uh, Nogara tried to roll out and scramble on top Frank Muir re-rolled him again and then put him finished the Kimura with a broken uh, by, by breaking uh, the arm or the shoulder of Nogara and uh, that for me is the greatest Kimura moment that I've um, that I've seen especially in, in MMA where the stakes are so high as in like the the, the, the damage that can be can be done that the, the leverage he was able to use to roll a heavyweight off of him from the Kimura uh, so guillotine for me chokehold overall guillotine and then Kimura just right in underneath that they'd be uh, they'd be my two favorite submissions Mm. Oh, man, I'm big into the North South Kimura. I fucking love getting that. It's it's that, one of my yeah, favorites. man. That is uh, like I was looking at the the the, the Danaher Kimura system. I, uh, if anyone who I'm sure anyone who knows me knows, I'm a huge fan of what they're doing in the blue basement. Uh, the Danaher Kimura system. That's a good part. Like there were certain tricks he was shown how to apply the Kimura from there and stuff that I was really a fan of. But uh, what I love about the North South Kimura is not only are you able to 
I, like I, it probably is the most powerful form of Kimura in my opinion um, in terms of like the leverage you can get on I think it was like if it was at the first Metamorphs Rafael Lovato you latched one on really quick I can't remember who his opponent was but it looked so painful but at the same time so beautiful because I'm such a fan of that's that that submission and and, uh, and his work but uh, the, the, the north-south Kimura man you can if for me I'm a huge fan not only of jiu-jitsu of catch wrestling and the certain catch wrestling uh ways of inflicting say you know if you go for Nassau Kamara and the guy joins his hands and you're trying to break his grip and it's it's difficult to say catch wrestling ways of inflicting a little bit of a, like nasty bone pain that makes them let go but and what I love about that is if that fails and you can't break the grip the guy's too strong too tough too fueled on adrenaline uh you can switch to an arm bar very easy or what I'm really liking now uh is the Tariq Abate from the North South Kamara where you throw your leg over and, and uh, bring your whole body weight in on the the, the, the arm. So it's just so versatile, man. I, man, I think I might have just talked myself into putting the Kamara as my favourite submission. But, uh, yeah, the, the, the North-South Kamara is, is, is so beautiful, especially when you roll the guy up on the side. If he's, like, flattening his back, you get that grip in the chest, driving forward, and then you're sitting up on the arm and the head, and you've got the... It's, it's uh, oh, man, it's, it's such a great position, such a great submission. Oh, man, I absolutely fucking hate the Tarika Plata. Because, man, I have flexible shoulders. I'm hard to Kimura and I'm hard to Plata. <laughs> but for some fucking reason, the Tarika Plata works on me like I'm a fucking white belt or something. Like, every, slightest Tarika Plata. I'm like, ah! Kamara's you know, <laughs> uh, and Omoplata's are nothing to me. Like I don't care yeah, about them, yeah. but I f- fucking hate Tarikoplatas. Oh uh, man, I, I the for, like I I, I, can't, I remember the first time I ever seen the 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 Tariko Plata. Uh, it just it blew my mind because I'd I'd never considered because there are times like I was all when I started training I was very very weak. I never really lifted weights. Uh, I wouldn't have regarded myself as probably not weak, but it definitely was so strong. So if I was going against any of the stronger guys in the gym, trying to break that grip on a north-south Kamara was next to it. Like, it was really, really difficult. If I had it just, I remember saying, just throw your yeah, man, uh, Tarek Hopstock, is it? Is, I, mean, I can't remember the name of you, but just throwing that leg over the, the waist so that the, the back of your knee catches their kind of wrist area, kind of, and you just keep rotating. And I was like, oh, you don't need strength for this no more. You just need your body to keep rotating, and it uh, it does the job for it. But uh, I'm a big, big fan of it. Mm. Oh, sorry. Uh, what was the first seminar you attended, and do you remember what was taught of it? The very first jiu-jitsu seminar I would have attended would have been John Kavner, would have, like, because he's he's my coach's coach, he's on Roddy's coach, John Kavner. We would have had him over uh, a good few times in. In, in 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 our gym to do seminars and uh, he showed a couple he showed the he I think I attended I think he was the first guy I attended seminars with and it was also three seminars before I would have gotten say two international jiu-jitsu star seminar if that makes sense so I mm-hmm. like I can remember the first choke I think each or not sorry not the first choke the first seminar uh, I was only training a very brief time. Uh, I think he showed the Glacier Pass to him and Gunnar Nelson do work a lot. I can't really remember a lot from that, but I remember he done a seminar back in 2013. But the whole thing was on attack in the back, and I learned I, I, some of the stuff I learned that day. I still use now for for taking the back and securing the hooks in, and uh, so that was it. But I think. I'm trying to remember, and I've also done seminars like on the local level. I'd have done I won the best seminar I think I was ever at might have been um, either Sergey Pakulski, who is I hope I didn't butcher his surname. He's the wrestling coach from SBG. He, he's now one of the head coaches in SBG Nice. He came over. He's he's good friends with one of our wrestling coaches, Clinton Scott, and Clinton got him over a few years back um, for. 
uh, for a wrestling seminar. And he didn't show anything fancy. That's what I loved about it. It was single legs, double legs. And he'd come over to me and tell me, oh, the reason here, look, put your head here so you don't get guillotined. Or, or put your head here when you're single legging someone so they don't get your back or they don't wrap a front headlock up on you. And just them, he, he was so nice and polite. And he showed so many little... Um, little tricks and nuances that I hadn't seen in, in it that I was like yeah this this everyone walked out of the gym after Sergey seminar saying it, it was it was phenomenal but on the international uh level believe it or not the very first seminar I think I might have done on an international jiu-jitsu stars level was Ryan Hall yeah son yeah Ryan Hall when the ultimate memory competed on the ultimate fighter well um when he was competing on the ultimate fighter he came well after he had finished film so the ultimate fire that season was a little bit of a mishap uh one of the guys who was supposed to be in the final bet ryan hall for the final saw for some i don't know legal reason or something couldn't couldn't get into the uh, the states to to make the the final so well before that happened ryan hall was over in svg teaching uh and training with with own roddy and, and and the guys over there yeah uh, and own was still teaching in head svg hq at the time while teaching in primal mma and uh him and ryan hall became good friends uh and he brought Ryan Hall over to teach a seminar. And dude, he, he we were discussing earlier about. I know Ryan Hall's a big deep half fan. So when I was rolling with Ryan Hall, yeah, super nice guy, super super good coach. And then he allowed me to roll. Uh, we were allowed to roll at the end. And I I put him in deep half guard. And I'm sure he let me put me in. in, in I'm not gonna just probably be able to put Ryan Hall in deep half, especially not back then. Uh, but I was like, I'm gonna impress Ryan Hall. I'm gonna hit him with the wider sweep, to uh, which is one of his go-to moves I was like this is really going to do it as I swung my leg up to come for the waiter sweep he just latched onto me heel for an outside heel hook and was like just looking at me as in like yeah your move buddy and I was like <laughs> <laughs> I was like yeah yeah, yeah. After, I'm at the scene this guy submit three or four guys on the ultimate fighter and he's got a hold of my like with heel hooks and I'm at the scene him get a hold of my heel and it's like yeah I think you know enough what you're doing thankfully he Ryan Hall is the opposite of, of Polaris so uh, he doesn't rip it on at least he didn't hit me anyway and he kind of gave me a lot of time to, to tap out and once I seen that my heel was uh, caught in his in his in his grip and he was like he was kind of making eye contact as in like what 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 you want to do about this I was like yeah yeah you got me you you, you got me um but if I was to say on the the, the two best seminars from international stars that have been in the jiu-jitsu world that I have ever attended have been I think it was 2018, Hodger Gracie came over after he submitted Bucece. And Hodger Gracie, for me, is the king. He is the my biggest influence in jiu-jitsu. When I first started learning, and I was asking people who to watch, he was a name that got thrown around, I watched him. So whenever I want to get motivated to train in the gi, a Hodger Gracie highlight is what I'll watch. He, uh, I, I love his style, I love his crushing pressure. I love the fact that he just, everyone knows he's just going to mount choke you. No one can stop him. Uh, Bucece thought, we, uh, to be honest, given Hodges' absence from jiu-jitsu, I thought Bucece was going to beat him in the rematch, um, especially with the way the first one went. But uh, once Hodges got, like, how quick he got the back and then just submitted him was was, was beautiful. So Hodges Gracie seminar, that was was in at alone, I think. But uh, Robert Deagle, we had Robert Deagle over from Danaher's, uh, from Hensel Gracie's gym at the start of the year. We were the first gym in Ireland to have... Uh, a DDS member, Dan Hardet squad member, come over and teach. And what really impressed me and what kind of pushed uh, Robert Deagle to the forefront of, yeah, this is the greatest seminar I've ever been at. He's a super, super nice guy. He's super, super intelligent. And what really impressed me was his seminar was Tuesday night. Uh, Tuesday morning, 
he came down to the gym, rolled with everyone that was in the gym, taught us a load of techniques, answered God knows how many questions that we all asked him, and then came back up, went off, saw the city during the day with one or two of the guys, and then came back down that evening and taught an amazing seminar, two-part seminar, one on leg lock defense and one on leg lock offense. So for me, the best seminar I was at is between Robert Deagle uh, and Sergei Bukulski. Uh, I thought they were the two best that I'd ever attended personally. God damn, man. Uh, man. Have you ever integrated something from a seminar so well it's just become like a mainstay in your game? Yeah, the uh, the things that I would have brought in. So the Hodger Gracie seminar, um, uh, he brought in, he introduced a couple of concepts to me uh, that I, 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 I would have seen, like I would have not seen others doing. So uh, I don't know if you know this, but back in the old days, no, it's the old days of Jiu-Jitsu, Jesus, you hear me? Back a couple of years ago, um, when you'd be on the back, it was always taught you go choking side down. So, for example, if you're seatbelting someone from the back and your right arm is over their shoulder, you always want your right arm on the bottom so they can't escape their head. But uh, at the Hodger Gracie seminar, he was he was the first guy, I'm sure others done it before him, but he was the first guy I heard of that was really talking about going to the bottom side so long as you keep this. Like he showed us a certain way of holding on the bottom that made it better, which, lo and behold, was the same side he was on. He, he was like, it's easier if you're on the bottom to fish your choking hand in, which for him is his right, uh, on the collar. So that's how he got in on the, the Buchecha collar. If you watch the finish, he was on the bottom side. He, 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 he incorporated his legs into what I now know from Danaher is the, the post rear mount. And uh, he got the finish through that. And then he showed an armbar grip break that I'd never seen. Because you know, it's like one of the hardest questions to answer someone. is like, what do you do if a guy is really, really strong and you're trying to break that grip in an armbar? And, and Hodges showed a great detail. And for weeks and months after that, it um, it became a main, main part of my game once I would get into a, any form of like classical seated armbar to, to, to break the grips and the other one was Dean Lister so I trained with Dean Lister last year in SPG HQ and he showed a great little detail on the straight ankle lock uh, that I was having difficulty with like he, he, he instead of like if you imagine you're lashing up a straight ankle uh, the classic way was kind of like either take a rear naked grip on it or keep it down at your hips so you could drive your hips in on it whereas Dean Lister brings the opponent's ankle right up into his chest so not only can he drive his hips forward he can engage his back he kind of it's almost like he's guillotining the uh guillotining the the, the ankle nearly in a way and that made a huge my, my straight ankle lock uh finish rate shot through the roof after that seminar i still use that to to, to this day and uh of course the saddle escape robert deagle showed has probably been the the biggest because uh, if you're going to be playing the Nogi leg lock game, you need to know how to get out of the saddle. And he showed a great little escape on how to open up the saddle when you're turning out. That just blew my mind. And then not only how to turn out escape, but how to turn out escape and recounter straight away with your own leg lock to like certain positions, say like the, the outside Senkaku, as Lachlan Giles would call it. Mm. Fucking hell, man. That was fucking... Uh, what's that, in- that was a lot. Yeah. What's the word? Informative. That's it. Informative. Yeah, that, yeah. Uh, man, so the problem with me is when I start talking about ca- grappling, uh, jiu-jitsu or catch wrestling or, or stuff like this, when I get mad passionate, man, I need to be told to shut up because I just go on and on and on because uh, I love it so much I can't help myself. I've, uh, so if I ever do start rambling on doing this, man, just just tell me to, to, to put it in there and just tell me to leave it down. No, dude, I love the rambles and shit because, you know, it's more authentic and stuff. Plus, it's some really good, insightful stuff. That's the word I was yeah. thinking of, insightful. Yeah. That was the word I was thinking of, insightful. 
appreciate <laughs> uh, that. As a coach, I see, because you do do private classes, as your memes say. Oh, yes, the, the meme <laughs> revolution that started recently on my Instagram. Uh, yeah, I was just, it's just to try and make uh, a little bit of extra cash. Like, it's, it's not a lucrative business by any means. Uh, Jiu-Jitsu, you're not really going to be rich in it, especially in Ireland. But no, it makes a couple of extra euro. You can't, you can't really go wrong there, I suppose. But uh, to be honest, at this stage, I don't, I don't, I've done it for a laugh with the first meme. Uh, where it was like Leo Varadkar was leaving office and uh, he put a yoke up saying this picture hung over. Um, if anyone doesn't know Leo Varadkar, it's like the Taoiseach or the Prime Minister of Ireland. He's leaving office and he says a picture over the fireplace. He's like, this is hung there for the last X amount of years. Now it's coming down. And naturally the internet done what the internet does and they replaced the photo with a million different things. And I just, ran, I just said, yeah, I'm going to do this. So I put my photo in and it just started to build from there. I think Kieran Brown, man, he took it to the next level. He hit me with, with like the 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 Michael or the Fastbender uh, Magneto meme, where it's like, "Show me the real Danny Hall." Oh, oh. I said the real Danny Hall, perfect. That I was in bits of laughter. Laugh. Like I had people messaging me before he done that. I had people messaging me, "Oh, use this for your memes. Use this picture for your memes. Photoshop your thing." But he was the first one to make his own one of it. And I was mm. crying, crying, laughing, looking at it. Because I've never met Kieran, but I've talked to him a bit on, 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 on social media. But I was crying, laughing at it. And uh, once people seeing other people making it, my inbox started to flood from others. So I turned it into a little bit of a competition, you know. And I got me inbox yesterday, I had about 40 messages off people saying, use this, look, here's this, here's this, here's this. One of the guys I'm with, man, uh, John Farrell, he'd probably be the main lad who's taken privates with me Um he he's a meme master so as soon as he heard like there was a bit of a challenge going on involving memes my inbox blew up with stuff like the spider-man where you, you ever see that meme where it's like spider-man pointing at spider-man oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah he put i posted it on my page today he uh, he stuck he stuck the private logo over the two spider-man it's like where did you learn to defend that submission how did you know that escape and it's like, my private logo was on the boat with him i was crying laughing he's done so many it's uh it's uh it's fun but yeah the private lessons uh i love doing them because i get to, it's my passion uh i like to put everything in and thankfully the people that have done multiple uh private lessons with me over the years have have um have had a pay off for them because private lessons aren't they're not exactly cheap but they're not they're not they're not uh they're not the easiest thing to afford sometimes like they're not overly expensive totally a 40 quid but to try justify that for an hour can be can be a bit expensive but um mm-hmm. there's two guys i have that, that that have done a lot of pts with me uh john farrell he he would be one and he last year john john won as a white belt he 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 went from having not trained to he won both his divisions in gamma gi and nogi got the gold medal submitting his opponents uh he then went into grappling industries i think two months later uh, I think just the nogi this time. Again, submitted all his opponents. He sub- he we. Uh, I'm a big, big. Uh, one of the main things I took from catch wrestling, and I believe I'd be. I wouldn't call myself an expert by any means, but I think in Ireland I might have one of the better understandings of the cradle position and the submission offense that can come from that 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 wrestling hold. Uh, he and grappling industries. He went in there and he took all the work I'd done with him on the cradles and he submitted guys left, right, and center uh, in grappling industries last year. Got promoted to a blue belt in June and then jumped straight into the last naga that was on in in thing. And so he's a blue belt a month. He jumped into the blue belt division up a weight used all like i've been working some uh passes from some uh gordon ryan stuff with him goes in and gets bleeding silver 
Then I've another guy, Pat, who who's done it quite a bit with me. He uh, he took gold in Naga uh, the same time last year. Uh, he won his key division. I think he I think he got knee barred in the intermediate division in the Nogi in the second match, and then he got gold in the Gi. Uh, and then we he he was out injured for a little bit. He came back, and uh, I went down to corner him at. Uh, I think it might have been the last tournament of this year that was on Barry Oglesby ran it in DCU. It was uh, the Emerald, the Emerald Cup. That's that's the one, Emerald Emerald Cup. He uh, he had two 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 or three opponents in the in the in in, in his division, and uh, he won the gold in that as well. So it, for me, it was just great to see that they were getting the value for them the money. Like they turn up my private lessons. I'm not let me wrong. I'm not gonna I'm not blowing smoke me on here, guys. They turn up and train their arse off in the classes. They're always texting about stuff. They're always watching videos. They're doing a ton of their own work as well. But it was just nice to see some of the stuff that I had worked with them specifically in private lessons and stuff like that had paid off for them and they got the reward in competition. So that was that was uh, it was always nice to see. Mm. Man, that's a pretty good way to look at it. You must be doing something right if you're getting uh, your guys to some good <laughs> fucking level. <laughs> Yeah, man. Uh, like I, I, I'd spent a lot of time coaching the beginners, so I would have never really had a lot of experience with competitors in terms of. Uh, so the way our gym was structured uh, when I started coaching was, I just won my second amateur fight and went two and zero in uh, in MMA, and Owen Roddy uh, graciously offered me the role of coaching the beginners in exchange for free training. So this was the start of my coaching career. This is twenty late late twenty thirteen. I think I remember it because it was around the same time the game Splinter Cell Blacklist came out. I don't know how that's in my head. I've got a weird memory, but uh, that's that. I, I I started two days a week, then that upgraded from two days a week to coaching them three days a week. Then it eventually I became employed by him. I was coaching the beginners. I was coaching the kids, teens. Uh, I was doing this all with uh, the help of. Uh, one of the hidden gems of our gym, which is Gav, he's one of my he'd be one of my best mates. And Gav, at the start, when I when I first joined the gym and I was really really shy, like sometimes I do forget how shy I am. Gav Gav Kelly took me under his wing. He taught me so much uh, to help me out at the start that uh, it, it was just like he he. I, as soon as I was offered a coach and all, I asked him to help me out because I knew how good he was, that he helped me so much at the start that I wanted to get him in. And uh, the two of us were coaching beginners, then we were coaching the kids together, then we were coaching the teens together. And we were coaching whenever own Roddy would be away in Vegas or in New York or whatever with Connor during a fight camp. We were given, uh, at the start it was me and him that would have ran a lot of the, like for the Mayweather camp, uh, when Owen was away for that. Me and Gav were... Uh, looking after a lot of the gym in terms of adults, beginners, kids, teens, we were we were running everything. So the coaching experience in the space of like three or four years went from absolutely zero to borderline nearly head coach at some stages while Hong was away. But uh, we've got more great coaches in the gym now, like um, Scott Harvey and stuff like that, and Clinton Scott. They've come on board, and we had Carl Reardon and Jerry Harris, who's an IMAF world champion, coaching uh, coaching striking. So the the caliber of coaching now that we've we've really got in our gym is 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 is, uh, is, is impressive, in my opinion. Mm. Ah, man, it's a pretty cool way to look at him, man. That was a fucking that was a fucking spiel and a half. But man, told you, man. This yeah. is me. I can't I can't shut up when I get talk. People just need to just tell me when I get passionate. <laughs> Show up, Danny. <laughs> okay, so guys, we reached a segment of the podcast I like to call Around the Specifics. Just a bunch of random questions, some about jiu-jitsu, some aren't about jiu-jitsu. So do you want to do Around the Specifics, Danny? Let's fire away, dude. Specific sparring, let's go. 
Okay, Biatch, let's go. Uh, what's, the, what's, what's the favorite gi you have in your collection? Favorite gi? Uh, primarily no gi now these days, but I have to go with the Astilio. The Tammy's Astilio is just perfect, in my opinion. Yeah. Man, we had a long-ass conversation before we started recording <laughs> about gis and stuff, and I'm right yeah. there with you. I fucking yeah, I love the yeah. Tammy. Or me, yeah, beat the, the Tammy Zero gi with the Foxhound patch. You can't go wrong there. Mm. I'm trying to think about what my favorite one is. I can't decide because I have so many. I think it would be my Hokiri with my Humanzi logo and stuff on it. Ah, you know, very cool. That's like my, it's my competition gear as well, so I'm, I'm a bit fond of it as well. Yeah, very cool, man. Can't go wrong with them. I know, it's really light, so it does me well. Ah. Amanda, who, who would you say is the most famous person you've rolled with? Matthias Denise, by far. I rolled with him. Ooh. Yeah, I rolled with Matthias Denise. In, when, we, when I was in New York at the start of the year, we went to... Uh, I was, I, I, if you're a jiu-jitsu lover, like I was primarily going over for Danar, if you're a jiu-jitsu lover, you don't go to New York and not go to Marcelo Garcia's. So uh, I turned up in Marcelo Garcia's and uh, it was one of the morning classes, small numbers. Mateus Denise was there, Marcus Tanaku and a few other guys were there. Uh, and I just, I went over and I was like, uh, I was nearly like starstruck. I was like, this is the guy who just won the ADCC. I was like, Mateus, would it, would it be okay to roll with you? And he was like, yeah, man, no matter. We rolled and... He passed me guard with a body lock, and I swear to God, I thought my spine was going to snap in half from, from how hard he body locked me on that pass. He is an absolute machine, man. But he, in terms of rolling, he is by far the most famous that I'd have, uh, I'd have rolled with and got the shit kicked out of me, boy. Mm, fucking hell, man. Those body locks are fucking brutal sometimes, what? believe me, you. Yeah, <laughs> especially when you're getting them off him, man. He nearly crushed me. Ah uh, man, Jeffer, see, I I didn't really know that body locks were that bad, and then I I done it to someone. I done like this Josh Hinger setup from like this. Mm -hmm. I like because I like passing the half guard. If I'm in someone's half guard, I'm not worried at all. I don't care. I'll yeah, pass it. I like passing half guard, and I done this Josh Hinger body lock pass from there, and my fucking partner was screaming agony like, "What the fuck? I didn't. Even, <laughs> I, I what are you, what are you bitching about? So like, oh, I spined you. That's why. Yeah, if if you get that, if you if you get a gable grip or a, like a butterfly grip, and you latch that around the lower half of the spine and you yank that in when you drive for oh man that's so uncomfortable that does putting them mildly is it, it's not fun to be on the receiving end of oh man we should come up with a good name for that besides spine lock how about uh i'm trying to fucking think that's okay i don't know i'll think of something later yeah. anyone who has a good name for with the feeling when you get body lock passed and your spine is about to explode Feel free to put it in the comments <laughs> or whatever, or send it yeah. to us on Instagram and we'll we'll pick the best one and yeah, I don't know they'll get, they'll get a meme made about them or something. I don't know who cares. You get a follow up too, I'm sure. <laughs> For sure, man. Uh, what was your favorite TV show growing up? Ooh, favorite TV show growing up, man. I'm an absolute geek. Like I'm an absolute. My my TV show was all superheroes. I was big into like the X Men animated uh, cartoons growing up. I was big into Batman the animated series. I really I. Jeez, growing up, that's a hard one actually. What my favorite would be? I was a huge fan of the likes of uh, Puffy the Vampire Slayer and eh? all that kind of stuff from the nineties, man. That was, if I was to pick my favorite, hmm, I'd probably go Batman the Animated Series. Uh, oh man, yeah, that's yeah. a great fucking choice, dude. Yeah, but under, uh, I'm have a slight disagreement with you. Like it's in the same cusp as that, 
Batman Beyond, man, fucking hell, that is. Oh, I, I love that better. as well, dude. I love that as well. They were both, they were they, like, and I love that they got Kevin Conroy back in to to, to voice Bruce Wayne. And, but yeah, yeah. But uh, they, they, I, I would have watched shows when I was growing. Hell, the likes of Star Trek, like I said, geek, man, major geek. Star Trek: The Next Generation, but I was a little bit too young to grasp the political themes and and, and some of the stuff that, like, it's all on Netflix now. I've rewatched them like the last two years on Netflix, and I've kind of picked up. But so if it was to be at, oh. If I was to be asked now what my favourite show was, I'd probably go Star Trek The Next Generation or The Sopranos. So they'd be my two favourite now. But growing up, Batman the Animated Series done it for me. Mm-hmm. Man, uh, it's a good fucking choice, man. The whole DC cartoon universe was so good, and yet they dropped the ball in the fucking movie universe. Like, um, how, how do you fuck that up so badly? Uh, I don't know, man. DC had so many good options. Like you had the Justice League, you had uh, Superman, you had Batman the Animated Series, you had all of these. Do you know, I don't know if you ever watched it when I was a kid. I was a big fan of the show Static Shock. Did you ever see that cartoon? Uh, I didn't see it much. I I I, I saw the crossover with Batman Beyond, and I saw yeah, him yeah. In, in the future in Justice League when he was older yeah. and stuff. But in, I didn't really watch it too much. I know. Yeah. Yeah, I would have been a fan of, like, uh, like I said, man, anything to do with superheroes, anything to do with like of Star Wars, sci-fi, anything like that. I'll watch. Not a bother. The, uh, mm. the, the the stuff. But as for the movies, they really dropped the ball with them. Mm. So what was your first video game console? What was your favourite game in this? First video game console that I was ever old enough to play was the Super Nintendo. Uh, the SNES. Um, I'd say my favourite game on that would be between... I, it's kind of hard to have one, but my three main ones that I, play, I remember the most as a childhood were um, uh, Super Mario World, which is... Uh, which is like everyone knows that Super Mario Kart, which everyone knows mm-hmm. as well. And then there was a fighting game, uh, Killer Instinct. That game I still play to this day. I love it that much. And I had if if you're into any sort of like soundtracks or anything, listen to the Killer Instinct main theme from like uh, 1995. I think the game came out. It was so sick, man. And to hear, like, especially when you think that this came out in the nearly 20 years ago on the Super Nintendo, not like a PlayStation. Like it's a full guitar, drums, proper theme. And it, it, it blew my mind away. So them, them three, I'd probably go with either Super Mario World or Killer Instinct. They'd be my two favourite games from when I was a, a kid until I got my hands on Metal Gear Solid. Then that's oh, yeah. it, it, it all comes back to Metal Gear with us because uh, we yeah, fucking love those games. Uh, yeah, you can't beat it, man. Best series of games ever, in my opinion. Like, man, I'm going to make a controversial statement here. I'm going to make a controversial statement. I actually liked the twist from Metal Gear Solid 5. Man, I have a weird... I have a weird outlook on I like I stopped playing the Metal Gears after four. I want to play. Uh, we were just talking about before the thing. Uh, the the riding game Vengeance is it Revengeance or Rising? Is that what's the name of it? Yeah, it's a Metal Gear Rising Revengeance. Yeah, that's the one. So I want to play that, but I had a huge issue with the whole fallout over David Hater being replaced because. To me, I grew up with him as the voice of Snake and stuff like that, and I wasn't happy when I found out some of the stuff that went on in the background. But I'm like that. I'm weird like that. I, uh, if 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 I'm really into a character or an actor, and if he willingly walks away, I'm fine with it. Then I'll play it. But uh, if they kind of give him the axe, I won't be too happy. It's a uh, it's my it's one of my weird little uh, weird little things about me. But um, I heard it. I know the I know the, the twist. I won't spoil it for anyone. I heard, it, and I wasn't a fan of it. I thought it kind of. Devalued the legacy of Big Boss a little bit, if 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 that makes sense. Um, no, I I try to make good perfect sense in the context of Metal Gear One and Two because that explains it very well. Because you know the the whole way they explain it, because there is this one like 
they made they made a little animation thing. I'll send it to you. Where like uh, you know, you have Venom Snake talking to Big Boss after the events of Metal Gear One after oh, that shit's gone down. It's pretty good. I might have to have a scan of that then. Yeah, that could change my opinion on it then. I suppose when uh when I say, it. but look, if any if 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 Konami assistant to this, give us a remaster of Shadow Moses, like a proper PS4 or a PS5 remaster of Shadow Moses or Snake Eater. They are the two best games in the whole series. You bring them back out remastered, man, you're going to clean up on the stock, on the, on the cash. Oh, man. I disagree. Metal Gear Solid 2 was pretty good. I fucking love that. I know people, they don't like writing, but like the whole fucking, the re, the, what the game's about is pretty good. Plus oh, the man. way that they two's perfect. tricked two, you and all that. Two, oh, 2 is a brilliant game. 2 is a brilliant game. Uh, Sons of Liberty is, is amazing. I've, uh, here's, a, here's an interesting one for you, right? When I was in, you've obviously cleared number two. So there's a part at the end of number two where uh, the Arsenal gear are, are, are the big shot, uh, the, the uh, crashes into New York. And uh, Solidus the, 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 is crawling up the statue of George Washington. Uh, do, you remember, do you remember that, that scene? I was, walking yeah. through, I was walking through New York in January when I was over there training in Henzo's. And we came up on that it's on me highlights on my instagram of new york we came up on that actual statue and the stairs behind and the bit and i like i was like whoa this is actually real you know can you see it in person like after seeing it for so many times on cut scenes as a kid and a, and a, and a young lad when i seen it in person it just kind of blew my mind a little bit i got a little a serious nostalgia but like metal gear is just jiu-jitsu metal gear man you just want you won't get a much better life than that dude cqc for life bitch oh, there you go man there you go if Crab McGarry rebrands a CQC, I'll sign up. <laughs> Jerry, do you ever see? Do you remember that part of Metal Gear Solid Three where Ocelot and Snake are fighting on the plane, and Ocelot pokes Snake in the eye, but he has an eye patch on, so it doesn't hurt him. He's like, "What, bro?" <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I love that game. I love, I love all them, them, them little, uh, uh, them little moments in it that were just funny to, uh, to see. I used to love that guard as well. You know, the one who's always sick and he, he always has shits. Uh, oh Johnny Johnny <laughs> every game man it was like a great little running running joke in it until they gave him a main role in, in, uh, in 4 in Guns of the Patriots but yeah that was uh, that was pretty funny mm. oh man I just got into an argument on Instagram one of my friends because like I put up this po- I, I put this thing on my what's it my close friend story on Instagram it was all it was the intro to Metal Gear Solid 4 you know war has changed all that sort of thing oh yeah <laughs> And I was like, this is, the, this is the best game intro ever. Nobody at me. And he's like, man, Fallout is better. And then we just had this back and forth. He's like, war never changed. I was like, war has changed. War never changes. War has changed. <laughs> it was just that massive oh, back yeah, and forth. Yeah, yeah. I've had, I've had so many of them. On, on 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 social media with people about different topics where I'm like it's like a battle of opinions and nobody is going to change their opinion if they're setting their ways that's it they're not going to change it and they'll feel challenged if you try to if you if you post something that goes against their belief oh they're going to come at your heart and then that just that's so much time gone into them arguments which is back and forth no it's not yeah it is no it's not yeah it is no it's not yeah it is it's just ah that's life uh, it is, man. No one, no, you can't win an argument. You just come out of it less angry. Yeah, that, that, sometimes it may be more angry. But uh, yeah, that's, that's, uh, there that, might be subordinate. But yeah, can't win them on the online anyway. Mm. What would you say is your most embarrassing injury, whether it be jiu-jitsu injury or non-jiu-jitsu injury? Just the way you got injured was fucking just ridiculous. Like, Oh, man, if we were to do that, we're going back years to uh, when I was younger. I was like... So we, up on my estate, I live in a council estate, and one of the things we used to do, like about 
maybe 15 years, no, it wouldn't be 15 years ago, would it be? Maybe 2005, maybe, whatever that is. Um, we were, yeah, what have Jesus. Uh, anyway, the, uh, we had petrol scooters. So like basically normal scooters with like a fucking petrol engine attached to them, like what you'd see on the lawnmower. It was, it was stupid looking back on it. And I was going around my estate on my mates, one of them, and I was struggling to get it to turn. I was trying to come around the corner and I couldn't get it to turn properly. And I kept going straight towards towards uh, the path. And I was like going at a bit of speed. So I was like, uh, I was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna die here if I don't get off this scooter because it's going some speed. I'm gonna hit this path and I'm gonna go flying into the into the wall in front of me. So what I did was as I was trying to brainstorm quickly how to not die in the next five seconds, there was a car parked kind of beside the area. And I goes right. I'm going to destroy the bonnet of this car, but i got to jump onto it to try uh, to do it. I missed the bonnet of the car by about an inch. And when I jumped off and landed, I heard the snap. So my whole knee, my knee I fractured my whole knee. So I heard yeah, the break. That is the worst injury I think I've ever had. Uh, and it is probably my most embarrassing when you tell people you tried to jump onto a car and you missed it by an inch. It's like one of them. <laughs> <laughs> it's like one of them failed videos, man. That's going back to about oh, 2005 or something like that. That was, uh, yeah, that was uh, a fun message. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good luck topping that. Oh, man. Well, uh, if you could ban one guard for or position from competition, what would it be and why? Lapel guards. Nah, I just said that just to get a rise out of it. Um, I don't know if I could ban one position in... Uh, I used to think 50-50 was pretty boring until I started to see some of the stuff Lachlan was doing with it. Uh, I don't know. I think I, uh, any position that I could ban in... Hmm, I don't think I've ever thought about one. I'm not a fan of banning. Uh, I'm not a fan of banning because I think when you ban stuff... Uh, I, I, you ever hear like the way Joe Rogan does talk about stand-ups in, 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 in MMA? Where he's like, don't stand them up, dude. Let them fight You know when they're on the floor. I'm, I'm, I'd be more of that mindset. I would much rather not ban and let, like, let whatever goes go and just see how it goes. It's up to them to, to get out of the position. It's up to them to pass the guard. It's up to them. If you can't pass the guy's guard, that's on you. If you can't stop him from passing your guard, that's on you. So I'm not really a fan of banning so much. Uh, I wish IBJJF would legalise heel hooks and stuff like that as well. So the, 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 ban, the bans isn't really my thing. Yeah, Dabby Jeff are kind of fucking stupid in that regard. Like, here's the thing. They won't let you heel hook someone, even in black belt, no-gi fucking worlds or anything, you know, because people that go to that event, let's be honest, they're competent enough to fucking heel hook people and not destroy them. Let's be real. Oh, yeah. Like, one of the but, things... Like, oh, yeah, go on. But, but they'll allow a fresh blue belt to jump guard and potentially break someone's fucking knee. Dude, Where this is... is the, that, that's, what's the deal? That's my... Like the, that is the ultimate stupidity to uh, all, Sorry, if you said anything, let me let me retract what I just said in the previous comment. That's what you ban. You ban jumping close guard and you ban them jumping scissor takedowns unless your name is Gary Tone, right? They have to be banned because the, the the destruction you can do to someone's knee. One of the, the guy I mentioned earlier, Gav was telling me he was at the last grappling industries in December coaching, and some girl got her legs snapped in half because some idiot jumped close guard on her. That's all. It doesn't. Like, if there's a video on YouTube of John Danaher explaining why he has banned jumping close guard, scissor takedowns, and one or two other techniques, because the biggest cause of injury in grappling is fallen body weight. It's not the heel hook, as Danaher says, that fucks you up. It's someone throwing 60 to 80, 90 kilos onto your knee in an uncontrolled fashion. That's what it'll do. So if we could ban that, 
I'd ban jump close guard. I'd ban all of them jumping uncontrolled fall and bodyweight movements. Unless you're a master like Gary Tone, because he just seems to pull it off like nothing. But even then, one slight wrong movement from his opponent, and you've got someone who could have a career-ending injury because you threw your weight on them, essentially, with no control. So that would be the... that. That's what I would ban. I think it's it's a ridiculous rule set to say heel hooks aren't allowed, but you could do what you said. Throw throw your complete body weight onto someone's knee. All you got to do is go and watch jiu-jitsu fails on YouTube or close guard jumping fails, and that'll tell you why they need to be banned. That's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone, look up Hello Japan white belts getting DQ'd, and there's this mo- the most brutal guard jumping thing ever. This guy's leg bends fully yeah. in the wrong fucking direction. His toes oh, touch his tie. Sh- it is fucking disgusting. Yeah, man, like that's if I watch that, man, that's the only thing that made me not want to go train. If I if I see something like that, I don't know how people still do it. It's it should be that's the only thing. Them them uncontrolled body weight movements. They need to be, they need to be, uh, they need to be uh, banned. They're the only things simply based on their level of uncontrolled danger. It's not like a Kimura where okay, you don't tap, I'll break your arm or heel hook. You know, you don't tap, I'll I'll tear your ligaments in your knee. The you don't give someone a chance with them techniques. You jump on someone's mm-hmm. close guard and you mistime it by an, a millimeter or two or you mistime it by a second. That's someone's, that could be someone's career completely gone. You could depend on the severity of the injury. Mm. Or man, even like if someone, let's say you do that in like one day, the older age brackets, like someone can't fucking oh. you know, pick up their kids in the morning because their fucking knee's been destroyed. So don't oh. do that shit. Yeah. Just if you're listening to this podcast, and you're thinking it's a good idea to jump close guard, or you've, you're, you're training eight months and you watch Gary Tone, and was it Edwin Nanji, I think his name is? Uh, uh, Edwin Najami. That's the one. I think it was him that Gary Tone and heel hooked in, 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 was it him that he heel hooked with the scissor takedown? So if you're training like eight months, eight years, I don't care, you're not Gary Tone, Tom chunk that takedown and potentially destroy someone's leg. Yeah, shorts. Long story short, don't jump fucking guard. Don't do scissors fucking takedowns. It's fucking stupid, and you're an yeah. asshole if you do it. You, you can pretty much Gary Tonin. Except if you're Gary Tonin, you could pretty much sum up all that spew I just let with what you just said there. <laughs> okay. Uh, do you have any nicknames in the gym? Uh, no, no, I don't think I have any nicknames. I just get called Danny. It's just what most people know me as. I'm sure I get called a lot worse behind me back, <laughs> but. Uh, no, nah, I'm just called uh, just just Danny. I've no real um, no nicknames that I'm aware of anyway. Uh, other than like, no, nah, just Danny. Danny would be about it. Mm. Okay. Uh, do you have a favorite song to roll to in the gym? Oh man, I've so many. I think if you were to give me a choice, I could only roll to, to one song. I'm gonna go with probably "Sympathy for the Devil" by Rolling Stones, and if possible, a good live version of it. That that for me. Uh, it's probably my favourite song to roll to. Mm. Uh, good choice, my dude. Uh, uh, see, if you could if you could time travel to any historical period, where would you go first and why? That's a that's an interesting question. As in, go back and like actually be physically seen, or just go back and just witness it all. If you if you if you, uh, you can you can be physically seen and interact with stuff and change history if you want. It's all good. Everything's on the table. Okay, then I would the the, I, okay. It's either going to be feudal Japan because I love Japan. I'm dying to go, or because I've literally just spent the lockdown binging Vikings, come back to that Viking era. But I want to be a Viking, not in Ireland getting raided by them. <laughs> They'd be the two areas <laughs> I'd love to go to. Wouldn't be fun to have them boys pulling up on that on your shores if you're if you're not one of them. 
they'd be the two the two areas that I'd uh, I'd like to go back to if I could to see them. Mm. Uh, good choice, my dude. Especially Feudal Japan, man. I'm so fucking hyped for Ghost of Tsushima. I really want to play that game. It comes out oh, in two weeks. It, it, it looks sick, man. It looks so sick, and it looks like they've done like the art style to it looks brilliant. The music style to it looks brilliant. I grew up on all kind of Japanese cartoons and stuff like that, like uh, Pokemon, Digimon, all that kind of stuff. You all them geeky cartoons that if when people hear this episode, are gonna rip it out before watching. But um, yeah, that everything like I uh, I'm currently in the middle of playing Persona Five Royal. Have you have you seen it? It's oh, a, dude, I I I've platinum the first Persona Five, and I'm sure I'm. I, I got to the, the the end near near enough to the end of Persona Five Royal, but I've sort of dipped in it a bit. I I should I should really try finish it. I've never played uh, JRPG before, but it was getting so much traction on all the the the, the, the reviews that I was like, how can I have a scan of this, man? I texted it in, but because it's number five in the series, I was like, oh, I don't want to start all the way back at the start. I texted it into it. there's a page on Facebook. It's like the Irish gaming community or something. I was like, can I play Persona Five without having played the others? And they were like, yep. So I got it. And I was like, oh, man, this game's very similar in how it plays in terms of battle. It's like Pokemon games that I would have played growing up. It's like, pretty cool. And I love the fact that you get to walk around Tokyo and stuff like that in it as well, which is between Tokyo and Kyoto are like my top two destinations that I really, really want to see. You know, so uh, mm. that, the, the, that's why that's why Feudal Japan or, or hell, man, just, just send me to Japan now. It doesn't even have to be Feudal Japan. Just send me there now. I'd be happy. You know, they'd be the... Uh, <laughs> They'd be, the, they'd be the two that are Vikings because the, the Vikings show oh man that was that was so good I, I, I can't wait for it to finish off now this year yeah, sir. Uh, do you have a favourite philosophical quote you, you definitely heard heard one off of Robert Deagle I was just years. about to quote that man so like Robert like uh, I'm a huge fan of Robert Deagle's um, style I think he's a uh, He's a great coach, great. He's all these. He's a great gentleman. He's 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 really smart, really intelligent. He's very similar to Danaher in that way. I love his post on Instagram. But he hit. I've listened to him on Grappling Central, and uh, there was your man's talking to him about researching, and he just comes out with like, uh, like why do you research so much? I think was the general gist of it, and he goes, well, if I research, the solution I find becomes the problem for someone else, and I was like, that might just be the greatest gist of quote I've ever heard. And if it's not that, my other favourite philosophical quote is Nicky Rodriguez's, yeah, I don't know anything about trapping arms or any of that, but if I manage to lock my arms anyway below your eyebrows, I'm getting a tap. I think I think they're my two favourites. Oh, man, Nicky Rod, is, I like Nicky Rod. I got his wrestling instruction off Beach Jeff and X. Not sponsored, oh, yeah. by the way. It's <laughs> pretty good. Yeah, man, he's, he's a beast. Dude, when we were in the blue basement, um, you ever see Jurassic Park? Yeah, huh? Do you ever see the part where they're looking in the water and the T-Rex is approaching and you just start to see the ripples going out? We were on the mats drilling and it was literally like that. You just heard this thud, 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 thud and you looked and it's like, holy shit, dude, that's Nicky Rod. He's much bigger in person than he is on camera. <laughs> and uh, I rolled with one of the guys in the blue basement. Uh, this guy was a monster. He was probably about 110 kilos and I managed to get his back with one hook in and as I was attempting to off-balance him using uh, like the, the quarter Nelson you probably would have seen with Gordon Ryan and Barbosa, there was so much weight distribution uh, a difference between me and him at the time that I completely fell off and he just mangled me for the round. But his next round was with Nicky Rod and I looked over a minute later and Nicky Rod is just on his back joining his hands below that guy's eyebrows and I felt... I hated him at the end of my round because he bet the crap out of me. But when I seen Nicky Rod on his back squeezing his face, I felt so, <laughs> I was like, oh, I feel for you, man. I feel for you. <laughs> oh, that's, that's, that's the best way to become friends with someone, see them getting beaten up by Nicky Rod. 
Oh man, yeah, yeah. You, you make great friends with a lot of people that way. Then. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So yeah, what's the worst movie you've ever seen in your entire life? The worst movie? Yeah. Uh, it's a toss up between the Justice League from twenty. I'm oh, no, sorry, not Justice League. Uh, Fantastic Four from twenty fifteen. I think it was that atrocious remake. Um, Fan Four Stick. It's called Fan Four Stick. Oh, that's the one. That's the one. <laughs> that was so bad, man. And then Batman versus Superman. I Oof. did. No. I, yeah, Oof. Batman versus th- them two films. Like I usually have sat through a lot of superhero films. People thought were crap. And I was like, ah, that wasn't too bad. They were the first two films I ever wanted to knock off before they were over. Oh, man. There, there's only one good scene in Batman vs. Superman. Give it to hell. One good scene. And that is where fucking Bruce Wayne's in the Batcave. He's fucking... Just before he gets moving on, and he fucking... He walks past the Robin suit with all the spray paint on it saying, ha, 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 jokes oh, on you, Batman. Yeah, the yeah. Fact that he, the fact that he doesn't say anything... The fact that he doesn't say anything... Yeah. Be, uh, you know... That it's a visual storytelling. He you don't have he doesn't have to say. Oh, yeah. I'm so sad that the Joker killed Robin. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the fact as well, like that, anyone who is a fan of Batman knows the story arc behind that of uh, Red Hood, the the under the Red Hood's uh, saga. Yeah, that was the, he just communicated everything without a word, and that was perfect. That was the only good scene in that 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 uh, that film. You think you think he would have learned? You know, it's almost as it. So you think he would have learned after playing Daredevil? Like, superhero movies might not be a thing, Ben. You know what I mean? No, see, he had potential. Like, he was good. He, If, you know, he could, if he was allowed to work, but then they just turned him into a wisecracking Batman in Justice League. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I wasn't a fan of the fact that he, if you watch the Justice League cartoon, he's, Batman is kind of like on the thing of like, yeah, I'll, uh, if you need me, I'll, I'll probably be there to help you, but uh, I'm not a team player. And then Justice League flipped that on its head, and he was the guy trying to recruit Justice League. And I was like, oh, I don't think that's uh, that. I don't think they that that's Batman for me. Not not my Batman. Hmm. <laughs> not mine. Uh, oh man, we got a what's it? We got a bit of a moral conundrum if you're up for it. Oh, for the way, dude. Uh, would you rather cure cancer or solve world hunger? Oh, um, if I could, I would cure cancer and have it like free, like as in like you don't no no like Jesus Christ man, if you can cure cancer and and you can give it to people for free, give it to them for free. Like it's such an so many lives have been lost. Uh, I know people have starved to death. We we can grow more food, but if we can um, if I could cure cancer, that'd be the 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 one I do. Like I, I think everyone is affected by that everywhere on the planet in some degree or another so if i could cure cancer that would probably be the one i'd be i'd be uh i'd be done mm, no good point my man in your professional in your professional opinion you may have a lot of expertise in this area which could you yeah, sorry, could you pull off a handlebar mustache <sighs> oh could i pull it off yeah uh, i was thinking about shaving the beard off um and I was like, I might just save the mustache. I get a few weird looks though, but I give it a go. I'd give it a go. I think I could. I think I could. Mm. Give it the yeah, old Charles Bronson. Yeah, we'll have to test it out while if you <laughs> shave your beard. Oh yeah, man! Imagine the memes that would come out of that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Oh, man. Oh, man. If you were president of Earth, what's the first sort of law you'd enact? If I was president of Earth. Yeah. Hmm. Um. Oh, I don't know. It'd be a toss up between something like uh, 
yeah, um, it'd be a toss up between like making something like jiu jitsu mandatory nearly. You know, I suppose you don't want to make it mandatory, people will end up hating it if they're forced into it. Um, probably making jiu jitsu something like where you can where coaches can make if they're good and high level, they can make a, a decent living out of it, and it would either be that. Or to get rid of the cancel culture, because I cannot stand social justice warriors who want to cancel everything that for a joke that was made 40 years ago when the world was a different place and they think you shouldn't be seeing that. So they'd be the two uh, the two laws I'd be looking to either enact. I'd be cancelling cancel culture or I'd be making jiu-jitsu uh, a, a livable job for, for most. Yeah, the sort of thing you brought up about cancel culture, like I think it's fucking... For lack of a better word, I think it's fucking retarded. You're going to get your, get your podcast cancelled for that now. Um, I don't care. <laughs> but the, uh, no, I agree. I, I had, I, me and uh, John Lally talked a little bit about this on the, the Straight Talk podcast. I think we touched on it. I'm sure I've touched on it a lot on my social media. Yeah, look, uh, something that, like, a joke that, like, going back through people's Twitter and stuff like that for jokes that they made 15 years ago when it was acceptable to get them fired now when it's not. Yeah, give over, man. Will you just leave it be? Like, learn from your history as opposed to trying to re- remove it. It happened. Leave it there. Learn from it. I mean, like, the concentration camps are still open to be visited. And they are the most horrific thing in history. Well, at least one of them. Do you get what I mean? Mm. Learn yeah. from your history as opposed to, like, don't cancel. Don't don't make yourselves weak. Don't just just deal with it. Look at it. Deal with it. Move on. You don't like it, don't watch it. But don't cancel yeah. it. I seriously doubt all these uh, fucking snowflake bastards would be so keen about like demolishing Auschwitz and paving over it and scrubbing it from history. I seriously doubt they'd be up for that if they're, you know, I seriously oh, doubt that. Like, I think it was, was it, it might have been you I was discussing this with, where they're hypocritical in terms of most of these are protecting statues of the likes of Lenin or they're wearing Che Guevara t-shirts and stuff like this while calling about the, uh, um, calling about how horrific a George Washington or an Abraham Lincoln statue is like, do it. They're literally wearing like you're wearing a Che Guevara t-shirt like cop on with you why aren't we tearing his mm. things down well you know Ooh, the best the best example i've ever seen was this fucking antifa chick like holding up a sign about fuck capitalism and how much she, she's a communist and all that and someone <sighs> she's wearing these boots up to her like ties that were covered in buckles and shit and someone actually looked those boots up on amazon they were 300 dollars she hates capitalism she's wearing 300 dollar fucking boots like shut the fuck up lady oh man never underestimate a human being's ability for hypocrisy something i'm sure i'm very guilty of as well um and i'm sure people that don't like me would be quick to pull my stuff up but yeah to best is like i hate capitalism uploaded from a phone that is a product of capitalism I hate yeah, they, it. they all have iPhones and shit like <laughs> I know man I don't think they realize this but um they're, they're just I think they're just naive I think that's that's the most hopeful outlook I can have on them because you're either to, to believe that you want to do that stuff you're either naive or you're stupid I don't think there's an alternative mm. uh, see or maybe they just know it works but they're too far in that they just they uh, have to fucking yeah. stick with it yeah, yeah, yeah. They've committed now. They have to. They have to see it through. Yeah, that's an. Mm. Uh, that I think that's a reason. Well, why people that stay in old martial arts that doesn't work stay yeah. in. It, you know mm. that they they spent too much time and money to turn back now. Because mm. see the weird thing, like, do you ever see like uh, like here's an example like Cuba. Cuba's like I don't want to like make any generalizations, but it's kind of kind of not a pleasant place to live. I imagine. Ah, ah. I would imagine so. Uh, as far as I know, um, 
from from what I've heard, I'm sure if I'm wrong, people put me on this. But like, if Cuba is the communist utopia that people think it is, why have so many Cubans left for America? Yeah. Like that, that talk to one of them that's left and escaped the camps that were in Cuba and stuff like that, and the financial backing that they had from Russia. It doesn't even count as a communist country. It's just it's, it's the, the episode of The Simpsons. Um, the episode of The Simpsons where they flee him, uh, Homer Barnes and Smithers. They flee to Cuba. It's brilliant. I think they deliver a line. They meet Fidel Castro, and they we like uh, we want to live in your in your uh, utopia. And Fidel goes, "You talking about Cuba?" I was crying laughing. <laughs> that, that, was, that was a great line. Obviously, the old Simpsons are brilliant, man. You can't beat mm. them. Uh, guys, on a lighter note, while we're talking about Fidel Castro, did you know Fidel Castro was fucking obsessed with dairy and ice cream and milk and all that? I did not know that. I did not Dude, know that. Dude, he, he, was, he was obsessed with fucking ice cream and stuff. Like, uh, here's the thing. He built a fucking ice cream facility that was a city block wide that looked all modern and stuff in the middle of the slums so it looks like super nice but it's surrounded by shit. Yeah, kind of like what happened there. Was, was that like pictures that were being shared at the last World Cup in Brazil where they had this huge stadium surrounded by the favelas or something like that? Yeah, it's, 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 uh, the, the world is a hypocritical place at best of times. But uh, if you are going to get obsessed over something, dude, Ice cream is a pretty good thing to get obsessed about. Like a few years ago, it was chocolate milk for me. Drinking more chocolate milk as an adult than I did as a kid. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, Roddy had to rein me in a few times because I was I was nearly struggling to make weight. I was drinking that much of it. Ah, oh, it was. Uh, oh, it's uh, so good though. Oh, so tasty, man. So tasty, and it's so addictive because it is so tasty, especially when it's so cold. Ah, oh, mm. that's a that that that. That'd be one of my guilty pleasures that I try to reduce now as a as a more seasoned martial artist. Mm. Oh, and see about the Stalin thing again. See, uh, he he imported a bunch of cows from Canada, the ones that could produce a lot of milk and stuff. But they they, they didn't like being in the heat, so they had to, he had to make a facility that would keep them cool and relaxed. <laughs> and then he bred the fucking Canadian cows with the Cuban cows, and he made one hybrid that could handle the heat and produce a lot of milk. And Did, when it died, he got like DNA to be like it, frozen so they could clone it in the future. And they made a fucking uh, a fucking statue in this cow's memory. Jeez, <laughs> I, I'm not joking, man. I think it's just oh, easier okay. to just ju- ju- just go. To, I think it's just easier to go to the jujitsu mats and roll than, <laughs> than deal with some of that stuff, man. Jesus, that's a lot. Now, uh, what would you say is your uh, jujitsu spirit animal? Oh, my jiu-jitsu spirit animal. Uh, oh, that's a hard one, man. Uh, hmm, people call... Uh, I've been messing... I'm very long-limbed. So I either get joked about being like an orangutan or something like that because my arms are so long that they just reach through. Or like a bleeding octopus's tentacle shooting through, man, when I go for like Darius's or anacondas. Like I've really, really long limbs. So like when they, when they start to shoot through that day... So I suppose... You know what? The octopus, the coolest thing. That's what I am. I'm going Eddie Bravo. Octopus. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we've reached the last question. Are you ready for the last question? Ooh. <laughs> Fire away, my man. Man, what's the most important lesson you've learned in all your years of training jiu-jitsu? Oh, the most important lesson that I've learned. Uh, I think it's definitely, it's a Paddy Houlihan quote. Uh, and this, I think, is the truest thing ever, man. 
uh, jiu-jitsu is the great equalizer. So what that does, what he means by that is, so if you get like, let's say people coming onto the mat and you get a guy who either thinks he's like super tough or you get a guy who's super weak, if they stick at jiu-jitsu, what tends to happen is the super tough guy is shown he's not as tough as he thinks he is and it shows that the weak guy, he's a lot stronger than he thinks he is. So it kind of uh, brings people into the middle. I think that's the, the best lesson I've ever learned from it because I've seen guys like myself who come into the gym who are real timid and shy and now you get me like this where I can't shut the fuck up about what I'm talking about. So like this is like, this is uh, I think that's the best lesson I've ever learned about jiu-jitsu man is it brings people out of their shell and it humbles other people that need to be humbled. It's like the great equaliser. Mm. Ah man, that's a great fucking way to look at it man. Yeah, so Paddy's, Paddy's a smart man. Yeah, Paddy's a genius. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right so guys we reached the end of the podcast if you want to follow danny on uh, social media it's at danny danny hall 92 i'm like i was gonna call you danny <laughs> harry for a second i just <laughs> had a brain <laughs> fart i'm like what the hell is wrong with me i'm like it's all good i've been called a lot worse i've been called a lot worse dirty harry or something no i'm on about insults i've been called a lot worse than insults <laughs> okay. awesome man do you have anything to say before we shoot off and before i fuck up your username again no, no. Uh, so I just like to give a thanks to having me on for the podcast. Give a shout out. Uh, I give an idea. So shout out uh, my main training partners. You know, uh, in the gym I've got a training with world champion now, like Hugo Barim. Max Lally is kicking the shit out of me, and he's only a sixteen-year-old blue belt. I get guys like Carl Burke, Charlo, um, uh, Brandon Myers, Ray Renandez, Smith, who, uh, Richie Wood, Kieran Farley, all the guys, the guys in the OSO as well. I can't thank enough for who've helped me throughout me 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 uh, nine years of training for allowing me to, to look after my strength and conditioning program and uh, for rolling partners. And basically, anyone I've ever rolled with, you're cool. So that's uh, they're the kind of shout-outs I think that I, that I, that I need to give anyway. And to own mm-hmm. Roddy as well for being my coach from uh, from day one and and. Uh, Help us on the journey. Can't forget him. Mm. Wouldn't be here without mm. it. So thanks for listening, guys. Hope you enjoyed. Uh, follow us on Instagram at the Humanity Jitsu Podcast. Subscribe to the Patreon if you want to get episodes early and help with the funding the podcast. Thanks a lot, guys. Oos.